Newsweek presents The Debate with Andrew Tolman. Everything 100% of the time, 24 hours a day is a negotiation. Rakeem Brooks. This is a common good that we are talking about. Amani wells on Yoha. I'm completely fed up with whether it's politicized or not. And Jeff Charles. That distracts us from actually rolling up our sleeves. The Debate starts now. So I don't know about you guys, but I spent many, many hours either actively or passively watching the coronation ceremony on Saturday. Not in real time. I didn't get up early, but I did watch it. Uh, I'm fascinated by the by the spectacle. I don't support the monarchy, but I love a good show. And, you know, as a Christian, I love all the Christian elements and it's all very interesting. But it got me thinking as I'm watching this, you know, it's a pretty good show. And the Brits have been doing this for a while. And even though the king doesn't really have a lot of authority these days, it got me thinking about, hey, I don't know. Wouldn't a hereditary monarchy maybe be better? than a constitutional republic, than a democracy. Now, you didn't think that at all. I, that did I, not I, come I, up. <laughs> okay, so bear with me. I mean, you know, I, I'm a philosopher at heart, so taking the controversial side, I don't actually believe this, but <laughs> Good. there's a lot of argument that can be made on behalf of a hereditary monarchy. And I'll give you just a couple of like broad strokes, and then we can hash it out a little bit. Here's one thing, okay? Line of succession, though many people don't understand it, the line of succession is is very clear to the people who understand these things. And so you don't have a January 6th over whether the proper procedures are being followed. We all know who's coming next. And second point, they are groomed for life for this task. They didn't wake up at the age of 50 or 70 and decide that they should be the president of the United States. They were going to be king the whole time. It took Charles a little longer than normal, you know, to become it. But he knew this. He's been trained. He's been educated. He's gotten all of the the possible training you could have for this instead of whatever schmo out there can manage to persuade a bunch of uh, average American voters that they make the best commercials and that they're the person for the job. And finally, to get us started, there is a long, 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 long track record of constitutional monarchies or hereditary monarchies existing and having stability, something that democracy is a pretty young uh, experiment doesn't really have going for it. So those are my three beginners. I have others in store. Uh, Who wants to uh, who wants to attack first? Well, I mean, you may not have a lot of January sixes, but you sure as hell would have a lot of Wacos in that type of situation because monarchies aren't really known for allowing a whole lot of liberty or freedom, like like speaking out or even having the wrong type of weapon. I mean, when I think of a monarchy, I think of Saudi Arabia, which is not a place I would ever want to live. So, I mean, I'm not really a fan of democracy either, but I mean, if I had to choose, the lesser of two evils would be democracy, I think. Definitely. There's freedom. In, I mean, you have freedom in Great Britain. You have freedom in monarchies historically. Good monarchs make good kingdoms, right? Come on, Jeff. Are you getting in touch with your colonizer roots, Andrew? Is that what's going on here? <laughs> Money. Absolutely not, Andrew. Okay. Like you're saying there's no January 6th. I recall the French Revolution. Okay. I recall the French A democratic revolution history. against a monarch. Exactly. It's the people who are the problem. Absolutely not. I would just think about like your own family lineages. Okay, we all have that that weird cousin, the one that's a little off. (laughs) We all have that sibling that just couldn't quite meet the standard of family excellence. Imagine having to entrust that person with an entire country, a nation, millions of people. Let's not. Let's just not. (laughs) 
So you're worried about the uh, the misfit, the uh, recessive genes taking over or something that's producing the. But I still I still maintain that, generally speaking, the king is well-educated or the queen is well-educated, knowledgeable, skilled. They're there. You can't bribe the king. He already owns it all. Right. The king is going to be impartial because they're not interested in the partisan bickering. He doesn't have to win re-election in two years. He can think much longer term about the consequences for his country. He can invest resources five, 10, 20 years down the road, whereas every representative is worried about getting unelected in two years if they don't get results right now. I mean, people say there's no accountability in a monarchy. I think the accountability is much higher because they're thinking about long term horizons. Rakeem? Well, I'm I'm trying to come along with you. It is undoubtedly the case that Queen Elizabeth was more popular than almost every American president. But isn't that because if any of you have watched The Crown, she didn't do anything. You like literally watch The Crown for seasons and seasons and she does nothing. She has no real responsibility other than to preside. And as a consequence, like she can be loved. She's essentially... I should say this, right? But isn't she Michelle Obama? It's just like, we all love Michelle, but Michelle's never been asked to do anything actively as a matter of policy. And so it's easy to love the person. So I don't know, Andrew, I'm I'm trying to get there with you. And the only thing I can put in my head, and maybe it opens it up a little more, is like Charles or Trump. And I want Charles. In that case, I'm actually with, for it. I, if you said to me right now, that in 2024, I either had to accept Donald Trump being elected president because the people couldn't be trusted or we had to adopt a hereditary monarchy. I think I might just opt for hereditary monarchy just this one time. And because like Amani said, we can have a revolution <laughs> later, but, <laughs> but we'd have to make some choices. So so what, what about this, though? OK, um, what about the idea that the monarch uh, can make decisions, right? The monarch can get things done. The monarch knows the vision for the country. It's going to be a relatively unchanging position. And so the people can get adapted to that vision for the future. Think about the gridlock we have in Congress and the infighting and the everything's stymied, everything's vetoes and roadblocks and filibusters, and they never get anything done. You just want a parliamentary system. Which, by the way, Rakeem, I think the flaw in in the British system is they took away too much power from the monarch. Can you imagine where Great Britain could be today if Elizabeth could have actually made some decisions? Uh, yes, in that I probably wouldn't be on this podcast. <laughs> I'm not quite sure about this one. Yeah. And you're comparing like our very flawed democracy, not like a democracy that should work in a way that a functioning democracy should. When you put a functioning, healthy democracy next to a monarchy of any sort, Democracy wins, y'all. There is that. I, you know, show me that place. New we Zealand. could get there at some New point. <laughs> yeah, no, no. You know, where people just no, step no, down. They just but say, I you know, I kind of had enough this of this. This is the lesser of two evils, I guess. I mean, you have a bill, you have a, you have a small group of people, like four or 500 people making decisions for everybody else. Is it mm-hmm. really going to be better if there's just one person making decisions for everybody else? Yeah, that, that's that's not where I want to live. <laughs> Absolutely not. And they don't listen to us. I mean, again, our democracy is flawed. They're not making decisions for us anyway. Y'all, so. <laughs> All right. So let me let me run a, a completely different slice of this argument past you. Um, there is there is an argument to be made that people obsess over politics, right? We've talked many times on the podcast about some of the flaws in our system and all the people obsess over politics. They obsess over who's voting, which way they obsess over, you know, which person is in charge and what they said. And there's a lot of high school drama about all of it, but in the end, be honest, how much real responsibility do I have 
power do I have for what goes on in even the state government, let alone at the federal government level? Isn't there an argument to be made that the feeling of empowerment and buy-in is really kind of an illusion anyway? And at least in a monarchy, you don't have to suffer under that illusion. You can just be free to go about your life and ignore the politics because the queen's taking care of it. Points were made. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say the, the, the silence is definitely made. And it, it, it is true. I have been feeling very uh, gaslit lately because it's a whole bunch of who's going to do what when not a whole lot's going to happen regardless. So that's very irritating. But like Jeff said, would we rather trust a few hundred people to possibly do what we want or trust that this one person in their family is going to do what's best for us all? And I'm going to just try to make a bet on the one where I have a better chance, you know? I, I mean, either say, way. It, oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, Jeff. I, I was going to say either way, it, it is democracy in is in a lot of ways, especially ours, our democratic republic. It is an illusion. We don't really have as much power as they like to, to tell us, especially right. at the federal level. Maybe at the state level, you, you can make that argument, but in, even more so at the local level. I mean, if you have government that is, that is closest to you, then if you exercise that, that accountability, then you can hold people accountable. But really, not much above the local level. It, we don't have a whole lot of power, which is why, to me, it, the, both systems are, are, are deeply, deeply flawed and untenable. Andrew, I thought what you were, I don't know, I felt like the good conservative argument that just runs in the other directions is like, I don't want one idiot or a hundred idiots governing <laughs> things. In fact, our whole system is meant not to work, right? Like that we started off with the wrong premise that we want one person sort of actively moving on our behalf or a hundred people actively moving on our behalf, but rather we tried our best to disempower all these people by putting them in these really crazy systems where they've got bicameralism and multiple branches and checks and balances and so forth. And ultimately that would prove to be a better system of governance because it wouldn't be able to govern. So I don't see why, why you'd opt into the monarchy other than that they've stripped the monarch of just about every power that they have. So maybe the system is working over there too. If yeah, there's the a monarch line. that doesn't do anything, I, I might consider that. But I, <laughs> but here's the thing: I can't trust that they're going to do nothing. When you have that much power, you're going to end up becoming a tyrant. It ha- it's happened all throughout history. Yes, yeah, Game of Thrones, y'all. Watch the show. Live by it. So the night is dark things- and full of terrors. Right? <laughs> it definitely gives me pause. Uh, and Rakeem, you're exactly right. I, you know, I. I don't really support it. And I think about things like separation of powers and checks and balances and the deliberate structure of a government that's going to fail to do anything most of the time. Therefore, it will fail to violate people's rights. It will fail to trample on the freedoms of the people. You know, all of that. I get that. Um, on the other hand, and again, pardon me for for flirting with a silly position, you know, for an American. Uh, one might argue that we are all raised in the American system so imbued with it that it's hard to see any other system making sense. But I look, for example, OK, at the pageantry of the coronation and I think, man, Westminster's gorgeous. And, you know, I might not agree with the particular fashion choices of the military in their hats or whatever, but I think of, you know, monarchical contributions to the arts and architecture and poetry and the subsidizing of those things. And again, in a society like ours, it's kind of the market runs it, right? Is the market doing a great job of producing the sort of architecture, art, history, and literature that came out of monarchical rule in Europe? And say probably not, you know, we've got Snapchat and uh, 
you know, and Instagram and the Kardashians and the real wives. And those are very clearly byproducts of a democratic society. I'm not sure I'm a champion of those byproducts. Well, the Kardashians are the royalty of our, of our democracy. <laughs> oh, you know, they are. I mean, people like her, the celebrities. I mean, <laughs> how much do we worship these people? Just like the, the monarchs were worshipped back then. They, now, they don't have the power that a monarch has as far as being able to use the force of physical violence. But they have a lot of influence. And in But I mean, at the end of the day, whose fault is that? <laughs> you think that people who live under monarchies really wish they lived in more robust democracies? Or do you think that they like it? I mean, the Brits seem to like, even though it's a weak monarchy, right? It's, you know, it's a weak constitutional monarch. They don't all hate it. You know, some of them do, but they don't all hate it. You were going to say something, cream. I'm sorry. Oh, no, I can. But I can respond to that. I mean, there's good social science. So, OK, look, when things are going well, nobody's really paying attention to government generally. It's when things go badly that people start to pay attention to government. And um, the political philosopher Amartya Sen has done good research that if there's a famine, you really want a democracy and not a monarch, because what does the monarch do? They go ahead and they basically hoard all of the food to ensure their survival. In addition to that, uh, a democracy is much more likely to expand communication than is a place where you have a singular head of state. Um, So I don't think that folks think about it when there's um, when things are going well. But if you look around the world where we have authoritarian governments and things are not going well, people are quite actively thinking about how they're unable to participate in their government and make choices on behalf of themselves and their countrymen. I don't see a lot of people going the other direction, right? I don't see a lot of uh, democracies reinstituting the monarchy. And, you know, I do see historically a lot of monarchies saying, whoa, (laughs) or saying like, again, in Britain, you know, well, we're going to keep the trappings, but the substance is not a chance, right? Definitely. That's true. That's true. I mean, and and you look at, like, say, North Korea, where Kim Jong-un is basically the king and there is a famine and it's been going on for years and years and years. And we talk about revolutions. They haven't had one yet. I mean, if if the uh, dictator or the monarch is very uh, capable at suppressing dissent, then that can go on for a very, very, very long time. Under a democracy, you have to use more deceptive means to do it, which I do think in a lot of ways our government has. I mean, they've been able to achieve what a lot of dictators would love to have without using overwhelming force the way like people like Stalin and Hitler did. Hey, can I ask a question? How did yeah. you even like... When Elizabeth died, I thought Charles was king. I mean, this shows how how little I'm paying well, attention. He was. No, he you're right. Yeah, I was like, why are we having this big party? Like, isn't he already installed? Doesn't he have all the powers and trappings? Like, what what is going on? And then they were like, we're spending hundreds of millions of dollars to remind you that he's king. And I thought, okay, that does not seem like the system we want. And and I I don't profess to be an expert on the British system, but I guess the the idea, as I understand it, is yes, he is king, but then they also have to do this, and what happens in the in between? I don't. I don't really understand. I'm with you. I thought, you know, yeah. it's strange to have this. Monster. I feel like it's the case that Camilla wasn't queen yet. And that's why we had to do this. Oh, well, hey, that's a whole separate issue, right? The elevation <laughs> of the, uh, the first tea. mistress, right? <laughs> Let's get into that tea because that is a story in itself. OK, it should have been Diana. <laughs> see I, I know nothing about the royal family so i don't i mean i guess i knew that she was like the side piece or something like the royal side yeah. piece but that's all i know right? i don't she's know actually the true I, you know what she's actually the true love and i'm actually here for it she's actually the true love i love princess diana like everybody else but apparently this is what like real love looks like so just so you know 
<laughs> yeah, she was like a, basically the the accent chair in their relationship in the living room that, you know, Princess Diana and William were in the entire time. He would buy her jewelry and take her out and do all of these things. And she was always there. And Diana asked him, like, get rid of her. It's me or her. And he was like, unfortunately, she's never leaving. So it's going to be both of y'all. And yeah, to see her become queen after that is actually outrageous and very nuts to see. And I saw a whole bunch of memes of her, like the little smirk on her face when she got like the crown. Because they was like, she'd been waiting for this moment for 70 years, her whole life to become (laughs) the real true queen of Britain. I'm fascinated by all the drama around Harry and Meghan. And it seems like from the outside that the drama over, you know, Camilla is pretty muted. That's the story, right? Oh, my God. There was once a king who went through a couple of wives historically, usually by some pretty awful means. You know, this harkens to history a little bit where you have, you know, we're not we're not supposed to think about that. He's out there professing his Protestantism, his devotion to the Bible and Christianity and transparency and truth. And yet. Here we are looking at, as you say, the the side hustle became the queen eventually. That's weird, right? And the people are going to just, oh, sure, no problem. Put the purple hat on her. It's all over, right? It's strange. And I feel like the people, they know. You know, the North remembers. We know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> the North remembers. <laughs> All right. So um, I take it from the tone that nobody is even remotely persuaded by my argument and uh, everybody wants to settle in with a a long winter's nap of democracy, flawed, ugly and inefficient that it is. We'll take it because we're Americans and we don't know anything and we don't know any better. Is that (laughs) well, I think we we do know better. And that's how America came to be. Yeah, I think that just to carry out Amadi's analogy, I do think that we presume that when the Night King finally comes, the democracy will get together. But, you know, let's see what happens and that we might actually all prefer a monarchy if, in fact, we can't get our stuff together to deal with whatever the real threats are. <laughs> Global warming. <laughs> well, if, if history is any I mean, if the philosophers ever had it right and granted, we don't always get it right. But if the philosophers had it right, the end stage of democracy, ask Plato and Aristotle, the end stage of democracy is. Yeah, that's right. Because all the problems created by the incompetent people leading themselves invite a strong man in who takes power, pleases people, gets things done a la Hitler, a la Mussolini, uh, you know, Putin, whatever. uh, And you get the government that you put yourself in a position of wanting. So my argument for a constitutional or hereditary monarchy may just be prehistory. It just things haven't gotten bad enough for us to get there. I hate to end on that note. Please tell me I'm wrong. If you look at how we view the president, I mean, when the president was originally, you know, created that position, it was never meant to be as big and as powerful it is right now. And yet, who do we all pay attention to? The guy that sits in the Oval Office. Executive power has grown and grown and grown. And if if you get the right person on the scene, Andrew, like you like you just said, it could very easily get to at least a de facto type of monarchy situation. We are well on our way. We are well on our way. Oh, I've got a little more faith than that. Yeah, I I do, too. I mean, I I don't think we're there, but I think that's I understand why people look at, for example, Trump. You know, they look at Trump and they say, oh, (laughs) you know, that's I get why people have that concern about a strong character like that, who I don't know. Some people say that's what you need to fight off a a she or Putin. I you know, I don't quite buy that argument. Well, I didn't hope to persuade you, really. I was just hoping to have a conversation about something that uh, kind of sparked my interest watching the big show on Saturday. So thanks for indulging me a little bit. I appreciate you guys. If you would like to be a part of the debate, email us. 
the debate at Newsweek.com. After being a staple in American media for over 90 years, Newsweek now brings you an exceptional lineup of podcasts. The debate. They'll recognize how these policies aren't working. They'll feel the pain and they'll change their behavior. The Josh Hammer Show. Restore the principles and the political paradigms of the American founding. The Crystal Knight Show. Just because officers are black doesn't mean that the policing system still isn't inherently racist. Fast women. Chevy's actually doing really well and Honda's really not. Wow. It's like the opposite of most people's perception of them. It is. The parting shot. Every year when the new nominations are announced, I get this excited, nostalgic feeling, and it brings out that little kid in me who just loved movies. The Royal Report. Harry and Meghan's head of comms has announced they now move forward to their kind of future outside the royal family. Newsweek Podcasts. New episodes drop weekly. Download or listen now at Newsweek.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.